0: Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy.
1: first time back in church in a while, and so I told my husband, yeah, I'll wake up at 8 o'clock, go into the forest, take a walk, pray, and then we'll be at church for like 10. And he just nods at me, right? (laughs) And then it's 10.25, and I'm like, oh my goodness, where are my shoes? Where's my mask? I need to find my mask. And it's very interesting how we've all found a different normal, and now as we try to get back to what we considered normal, it takes an additional effort. But I'm just so glad to be in church today. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Oda called me and asked me uh, to fill in this week because she needs to help the people who are suffering from the recent fire that we've had in B.C., And she told me what the message was, and I was just like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. Like, Jesus called a woman a dog, and you want me to talk about it? First of all, me and dogs, there's like this six-feet relationship we have, and if Jesus called a woman a dog, how am I going to explain that to the church? But God is good, y'all. God is good. So the title of our message today is, Did Jesus Just Call Her a Dog? And it's from the book of Matthew. So last time we were um, together, last week, Pastor Rhoda introduced us to these big words, hermeneutics, homiletics, and exegesis. And I forgot the definition she gave, so I went online to Merriam-Webster, and hermeneutics is the methodical principles of interpretation homiletics is the art of preaching and exegesis is an explanation or critical interpretation of the text so then I was like well how is that going to help me talk about dogs and Jesus so let's talk about why context matters If I was to come to you and I was just like, yo, that's a fantastic movie, is that a good comment or is that a bad comment? Is that a good comment? Aha! So, now what if I said, as long as you aren't looking for plot or character development? Now all of a sudden, that's not such a good thing. Now what if I said, she is a hard worker, It sounds like a good comment, but what if I say she is only a hard worker whenever she actually shows up to work? You see, context matters. Let me do one more. What if I say I'm so excited to see you leave? My prayer for you is that your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband will never say they're so excited to see you leave. But then what if they said, to Jamaica? I am so excited to see you leave to Jamaica. You see, it is very important to have the right context. It's so easy to take a word out of context. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the instance when Jesus called, or did not call, a woman a dog and try to make sense of it. How many of you like this dress I'm wearing? It's kind of nice. Anyway, back to the word. Okay, so we're in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, and it says, leaving that place, and we'll talk about the place later, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me because my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and they urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. And Jesus said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Then the woman came and she knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me. And then he replied, well, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ouch. And then she says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very moment. But let's go back to verse 26. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call her a dog? So there are a bunch of principles. When you talk about hermeneutics, there's a bunch of principles. So once again, I went online and Pastor Rhoda gave me some resources. And there's this wonderful group that has a podcast called Apologetics Canada. And one of the speakers who is speaking at camp meeting actually preached a message on this particular passage. And she did like an awesome job on it. Um, So here's one of the principles of biblical hermeneutics. It says, interpretation must be based on the author's intention and not the reader's. Okay? So again, I guess our first question is, who was the author? What was his intent? Who was he talking to? Why was he writing the book? So we know it's the gospel according to Matthew. So we know that the writer is Matthew. So then the next question is, who was Matthew? Well, he used to be a tax collector. So he used to go around and collect people's taxes. And I don't know about you, but paying taxes is not something most of us want to do. And he was actually in charge of it. But he was called by Jesus and he became a disciple. So then the next question is, well, who is he writing to? Is he writing to the Gentiles or is he writing to the Jews? Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, we find out that Matthew spends the whole chapter giving the genealogy of Jesus. Because he's trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So what we know is Matthew is writing this book. He is writing it to a Jewish audience, and that's why all through the book of Matthew, they keep on referring to other prophecies from Hosea and Isaiah, because he's trying to draw the parallel for the Israelite nation. And so what was his intent? He wanted them to know that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, that may not give us all of context or all of the story that we need to fully understand. And so what we're going to look at is another biblical principle for hermeneutics, which is it must be done in the context of the passage. So now what we need to look at is what were the stories that came before this? The first story we see is Jesus goes back to his hometown, and when he's seen his mom, his brothers, his sisters, the next thing that's happening is he's trying to perform miracles in the town, but they're just like, yo, we know you. You're Mary's boy of questionable birth. We're not going to listen to you. And it says in Matthew chapter 13 that he wasn't able to do as many miracles because of their disbelief. And then chapter 14 starts with the very sad story that John is dead. His cousin had been murdered by Herod because a girl was dancing. And he wanted to just take time off and go mourn the passing of his cousin. But unfortunately, there's 5,000 hungry people who need to be fed. And so he goes to his disciples and he's like, yo, how are we going to feed these people? And they're like, send them away. But instead, Jesus fed the 5,000. And after that, he really just wanted to rest. So he told his disciples, get into the boat, cross over Galilee, and I'll meet you on the other side. And in the middle of the night, he walks on water and Peter sees him and he's like, yo, if that is really you, Ask me to come join you. And Peter starts to walk on water, but then Peter sees the wind. I'm not quite sure how you see wind, but Peter saw the wind. He lacks faith, and he starts to drown, and then Jesus pulls him out. And Jesus says to him, O oh, ye of little faith. And then the next story we encounter is the Pharisees coming and saying, your disciples don't wash their hand properly before they eat. And because they don't wash their hand, there is a problem. And Jesus takes this time to educate the disciples about what it truly means to be unclean. And then we have the dog story. And right after the dog story, Jesus heals Gentiles and he feeds 4,000 of them. And then after he does that, the Pharisees come again and they're like, give us a sign that you are the Messiah. And then the chapter goes into chapter 16. Jesus saying, look, be very wary of the doctrine of the Pharisees. So that's the context in which we find this dog story. So, my next question is, what do you think the theme of the dog story is? And because I'm doing this like a lecture, I have given you some hints. What words do you see repeated on the screen? Compassion. What else? We see faith, trust, belief. What else do you see? We see faith, we see compassion, we see belief. And here's something I want you to pay close attention to. Jesus is healing Jews, showing compassion to Jews. There's the dog story and then right after that, he's showing compassion to Gentiles. So there's stories about faith. There's Jesus showing compassion, and I call it food compassion, for lack of a better phrase. There's the dog story, which is the climax of the series of stories. And then there's Jesus showing compassion to the Gentiles. So the question is, what prompted the change for him to move from just helping Gentiles to just helping Jews? This is the message that Matthew is trying to get across to us. So first thing we have to know is the intent of the author. And now we have that. Now the other principles we need to do we need to use is we need to read the text and we need to interpret it literally. But when we encounter words or phrases that are figurative, then we need to interpret them correctly. So for instance, in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, it says that the trees will clap their hands. Unless you're in Lord of the Rings and you're in Fangord Forest, trees do not have hands. Okay, but Isaiah is saying trees will clap their hands. So that lets us know that it's not literal. It's actually a figure of speech. And then the fourth principle is that when you find a difficult text that you don't quite understand, you need to use other texts to interpret them. So that's what we're going to do to understand this dog story. So let's go back to the scripture. So verse 21, leaving the place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he meets this Canaanite woman from the vicinity, and she's crying to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now check this out. We just read a story about Jesus was tired, his cousin just got murdered. He's exhausted, and instead of him withdrawing, he feeds 5,000. So when Jesus encounters someone who is suffering, what do you think Jesus wants to do? But what does he actually do? Typically, Jesus sees a problem, and he wants to heal. But instead, in this verse, he did not say a word. So his disciples came to him, and they say the exact same thing they said to him when he fed the 5,000. Which is, send her away, Jareh. She's making noise. She's disturbing us. Why is she here? And so Jesus needs to get a message across to the disciples. And he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In John chapter 1, the same John, his cousin, he says, behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the Israelites. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten sons. For God so loved, no, just the Israelites. Why is Jesus saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, but he's constantly telling people, I came for the entire world. Could it be, and this is what I was thinking on Thursday night when I was writing these slides, could it be that his response was what the disciples expected? Because the disciples love to send people away. There's a bunch of children and they want to talk to Jesus and the disciples say, send them away, they're little children. 5,000 people need to be fed. The disciples say, send them away. So Jesus is like, I, it's okay. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then the woman says, Lord, help me. And she kneels down. She recognizes the lordship of Jesus, which is something the people in Nazareth did not know. When they saw him, they just said, he's Mary's boy. Illegitimate birth. But this Syrophoenician Canaanite woman recognizes the lordship of Jesus, kneels down and says, Lord, help me. And then he replies, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So here's my first question. Who is the child in this scenario? It looks like it's Israel. Is it cool to be a child? In 2021, maybe, but in first century Judea, children were not heard. If a child was in the room, they didn't have the right to speak. That's why the disciples said, send the children away. So now it looks like Jesus is dissing and dismissing children and dogs. And this is where the fourth hermeneutical principle of being able to understand, actually the third principle, of being able to look at a text and understand when God is being literal or figurative comes into play. We have figures of speech. We say things like, it's raining cats and dogs. Does it mean that cats and dogs are really falling? Hopefully not. We have another figure of speech that says, break a leg when a person is about to perform. We actually don't want them to break a leg. So this is a figure of speech that existed in first century Judea. And when you do additional research, you realize that this figure of speech was a way of saying people need to know their priorities. My first priority is to Israel. My second priority is to the Gentiles. That's the word that he's speaking to the woman. But remember, he's saying exactly what the disciples expect him to say. But the woman's not having it. Because the woman does not have a scarcity mindset. She has an abundance mindset. And she's like, yo, I get that I'm not your priority. But I believe that there is enough mercy in you that I can get the leftovers. And that blows Jesus' mind. He looks at her and he's like, woman, you have great faith. There's only two times in scripture where God addresses a person and says, you have great faith. One is this woman. The second is the centurion soldier who said, you don't even need to come to my house to heal my servant. Just speak a word and I know he will be saved. Two times there is great faith being mentioned, and neither of those times was it from a Jew or an Israelite. So the last principle that I'm going to share with you today about biblical hermeneutics is this idea that the interpretation must be separate from the application. But before we get to the application, can I just insert an admonition? Ooh, you see how it all ends with shun and I'm rhyming? Totally cool, dude. Okay, so here's my admonition. The Bible is not like fast food. I feel sometimes we approach the Bible the same way we do fast food, where it's just like I get into McDonald's, I'm in the drive-thru, they give me my burger, veggie burger, and I eat it as fast as possible. The Bible is like a five-course gourmet meal. You got to digest it. You got to sit with your knife, your napkin, your fork. I still don't know the job of a knife and the salad fork. And you need to just take your time with the word. Paul is writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, and he says in 2 Timothy 2, 14 or 15, he says, study to show yourself approved as a person who knows how to rightly handle the word of God. So my admonition is when you open scripture, don't just rush through it the way you would a Facebook post. Spend time. Because up until the point where Pastor Rhoda asked me to bring this word, I had no idea what this dog story was about. Every time I read it, I just skipped it. I'm just like, I don't know what Jesus is doing. I don't want to touch that. But now let's get to the application. So the application may be different for me and for you. For me, when I read this story, three things come out. The first is that God is compassionate. And I believe that anytime you read scripture and you think about application, you should always ask yourself, what does it tell you about Jesus and God? The first thing it tells me is that God is compassionate. He's tired. His cousin is dead. But he takes that opportunity to feed 5,000 and then feed 4,000. And when he encounters a woman in need, he meets her need. The second thing it tells me is God responds to faith. God's a gentleman. He's not going to come in and force his way into your life. He responds to faith. When he was in Nazareth, the people didn't have faith, so he couldn't heal them. But when he saw Peter... Even though Peter's faith was little, it doesn't matter if you have little or big faith. As long as you have faith, as long as you give God permission, he will come in and fix your solution. I mean, your problem. The third thing that stands out to me is that God is abundant. Two years ago, Pastor Rhoda preached a sermon. It was sitting right over there. Ah, oh, simpler times before COVID. And she preached a sermon in 2018, beginning of 2019, and it was about a scarcity and an abundance mindset. Some of us approach God the way we approach our friends. We're like, I already asked him for something last week, I can't ask him this week again. I'll wait. Or we see God bless our friend, and we're like, well, he blessed my friend, he blessed my cousin, he blessed my uncle. (sighs) I don't think he has enough blessing for me. I don't know if he can forgive me today. Let me wait until tomorrow. But there's something that time did not permit us to go into. In this story of feeding of the 5,000, he feeds the 5,000. And if you read it in chapter 14, verse 21, it says they had 12 baskets of leftover. How many tribes of Israel existed? 12. So he fed 5,000 and said, I have enough leftovers for every tribe of Israel. Later on, when he feeds 4,000, it says, not only was there leftover, there were seven hampers of leftover. How many Canaanite nations lived in the land before Judah moved in? Seven. So Jesus is saying, I have enough for the 5,000 and enough so that every tribe knows my abundance never ends. And when I get to the Gentiles, not only do I feed them, but it's not with leftovers or crumbs. I leave seven big hampers. Jesus is abundant. Jesus is responsive. Jesus is compassionate. I started this by talking about this dress. So here's the story. Let me put it in context as I wrap this up. So my mother is a very wonderful lady. And it was her birthday in January, she was in San Diego with my sister and the twins, and she was wearing this dress, and I saw the picture on WhatsApp. So I called my mother, and I'm like, my father's wife. And she's like, you know, my mother, my husband's daughter. And I was like, that dress you're wearing is very nice. And she's like, oh, do you want the dress? I say, yes, can you leave it behind? She's like, okay, I will leave it behind. So. She leaves it behind with my sister. In June, finally, my sister posts me the dress, and here I am. But the point I want to make is less about the beautiful dress and more of the only reason I have this dress is because I asked. Secondly, in addition to this dress, there were three other dresses that my mom had already sent to me. But I didn't say, oh, I can't ask God for more, I asked. Jesus is abundant, Jesus is compassionate, and Jesus is responsive to our faith. My prayer for you is as you go about life, you will never lose sight of the abundance of Jesus' love, compassion, forgiveness, Grace, whatever you need, he has enough. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.